You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Wow. We're back again. Woohoo! <laughs> Yeehaw. How's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good. It's a beautiful Sunday. Yeah, it was actually, <laughs> there was like sun out today. There was sun weird. out. It was still really cold, though. Yeah. I had to work today, so if I'm a little uh, sleepy, that's why. <laughs> so I apologize in advance for being not on top of my game today. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. So bear with me. Bear with us. We're a little bit behind tonight. We're about 10 minutes behind. We're going to actually blame uh, previews. Yeah. It's a preview. It was fault. my fault that we're running a little bit late because I nah, went and saw right. a movie and the previews went long and I didn't I, I couldn't get here as quick as I thought I could. <laughs> it's all good. We accept your apology. But there's too many previews in movies in my opinion now. It's kind of crazy, They're isn't too, it? It's like super long. Yeah. It's way too much. Like AMC, I mean literally, it's yeah. 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I was too, AMC, yeah. 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 Um, they do way too much with that. And then Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Nicole Kidman's like another like five minutes. Yeah. And that's just... I just read that that was like a $30, $30 million ad campaign they did with Nicole Kidman, that AMC thing. So. That's probably why they've been running it for like three years, trying to get their money's worth out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's time for that to go away, though. <laughs> so I've got the stream up here, and it's hilarious. I'm watching the subtitles, and they're like, they're like absolutely huge on the screen. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything I can do about that. So we're going to bear with it. So anyways, this is episode 139 of Real Crime. We've actually done quite a few now. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a yeah. long time of real crime. <laughs> it's a lot of crime. <laughs> Every once in a while, somebody's like, so what crime are you going to talk about this week on the show? <laughs> I'm like, it's not a crime show. It's just a play on words, yeah. damn it. So but true crime is like a popular thing, so I'm not surprised. Like, yeah, no, no. It really, that. really is kind of popular. Um, we are kind of movie detectives, aren't we? Yeah. Movie yeah. sleuths. Movie or... sleuth. And that was kind of why I did that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm smart. <laughs> I'm so damn smart. So anyways, um, got to mention our sponsors. Uh, number one, um, Dawn of the Collectors, Rudy's uh, Toy Show. And uh, we did a show there a couple weeks ago. It was a ton of fun. Picked up a bunch of stuff, including Michelle's favorite things, a couple of pops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a couple Star Wars pops. those Funko Pops. Yeah, they're not doing so well, are they? No. No. Thank God. Not at all. They are kind of ugly, though. <laughs> I've got a few that were gifts, but I never spent any of my own money on them. I will only buy the ones that are of, like, interest to me, like the Star Wars ones, you know? like. Do I'm you not... open them? No. No. Oh, you're one of those guys. Well, okay. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Because I do have all of them out in the arcade. Yeah. Those are all open. Okay, good. And all the ones that are in the house are still in the box. Yeah. But eventually, as they get put in the garage this spring, then they'll all be open. Okay, good. So. I, that's the, the the worst thing to me is like unopened Funko Pops and that just like in the box and people just have like all those boxes stacked up. You know, like on like their YouTube, it's like Pop Culture Bro 69 and he's like got 4,000 boxes of Funko Pops behind him. It's yeah. just ugly. Like take them out of the box so you can at least see the thing. Right, right, yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. So Rudy's Dawn of the Collectors. Make sure you check them out on Facebook. And they have a pretty much a monthly show in St. Clair Shores. And then they're also doing one um, downriver as well. 
And then, of course, we need to mention projectorscreen.com as well. So make sure you check them out for any of your home theater needs. They've been sponsoring us for like, I think, what, five years now or something like that? Yeah, a while. They're great guys. I like them a lot. They're very, very cool dudes over there. Nice gentlemen and ladies. So, okay. In news this week, uh, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. (laughs) Latest DC debacle. Um, only grossed right around thirty million at wow. the box office. Against what budget? What what it cost? I think it was a couple hundred million. It was. This is not good. It's you know more of DC and WB's confused releasing. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody knows where this thing is going. So I think people have just kind of lost interest. I mm. think superhero movies maybe might be peaking a little bit too, or have peaked. waning. You know. Yeah. Yeah on a downward slope because there's just too many of them and well you're right specifically with dc because they had the whole james gunn taking over so everybody's confused as to what's going on with future movies and movies that are out that have characters from the past movies but then james gunn said he's not going to use character you know what i'm saying right, Everybody's right. like what's going on i think it's all just very confused mm-hmm. and then of course in line with this thing flopping, Zack Snyder has been teasing this dark side stuff on social media, and now it's coming out that apparently they're going to release Zack Snyder's Justice League in theaters. Oh. oh. That's kind of where this thing looks like it's going. I would mm. definitely go see oh, I would definitely Zaddy's, go see it as well. Zaddy's movie. Yep. 100%. In IMAX? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd, that'd be, be killer. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it's that. a real release and not just like a one-day-only Fathom event thing. It will probably end up being ooh, a Fathom if it's a event. Fathom, ooh. Yeah. And I don't like the Fathom events even more because we can't use our Stubbs Pass Oh, for I know. Those. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get why either. It seems weird to me. Yep. Um, and they always look bad because they're streaming. Yes. So the resolution on them... Is less. I was annoyed. Like, I, I went and saw Macross, Macross Plus... Um, and the whole point of it was that they remastered it, right. and then they did it at a, as a fathom, so it looked like shit, you know, because it's streaming and it wasn't, it didn't look remastered on the big screen. The whole entire point of them re-releasing it was it got like cleaned up and stuff. Right, but, right. You know, it is so, what it is. This whole WBDC thing, I'm just kind of over it for now, you know. But it would be cool to see that in theaters. Other news: um, yesterday it was announced that Good Burger is getting an official sequel. What? Yes. Paramount Plus is doing... Oh, it's a Paramount Plus movie. Yeah. That explains it. <laughs> but the original stars are going to return for the oh. sequel. Yeah. So I would totally watch that. I yeah. like Good Burger. I like Good Burger, too. I don't really know anybody that doesn't like Good Burger. Yeah, it's just a, it's a feel-good movie. Yeah, it's just good, wholesome fun for the entire family. <laughs> there were meme Criterion memes going around for years. Right, of, right. Of the... of good Burger Criterion <laughs> yeah. edition. Hey, it deserves it, though. It's a good movie. Um, and then, obviously, sad news about Lance Reddick passing away mm-hmm. prior to the weekend. Did they ever say what happened? All they said His was cause natural causes. Oh, he probably had a heart attack, I bet you, or something. Heart attack, like stroke, you know, yeah. any um, you know natural illness, anything like that is considered natural causes. So, could have been anything. Tolpole passed away recently, too. That's right. That's right. Fiddler on the Roof. And the funny thing is that I watched Flash Gordon the night before he died. Really? 
That always happens to me. I always watch movies and then people die. Well, stop watching movies. I know. (laughs) Trust me, I basically have the past couple weeks. I watch a movie that has Trump in it or something. Oh. (laughs) Get some Home Alone Uh, 2 going or something, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, James Cameron, Avatar The Way of Water is apparently going to be turned into, they're going to release the nine-hour cut. Is the rumor on that right as now? As a miniseries, I that'll think. be released as a miniseries. Yeah, interesting. Nine hours. Nine hours. He had nine hours of footage. Yes. Yeah, his first cut of the movie was nine hours. Wow. Long. So he probably knew. Oh yeah. In advance that they yeah. were going to let him do a miniseries, I bet you. Right, and now with news coming out that um, the Abyss and True Lies are both going to get 4K releases this year. I'm sure it'll all come around the same time Mm -hmm. as Avatar hitting 4K and Mm Blu-ray. So um, that's really it for news this week. So some good, some bad, some bullshit DC stuff again, of course. And then in new releases this week is, of course, John Wick 4, which I saw last week, and it's awesome. It's like two hours and 50 minutes long. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it never, ever stops. Like, there's no pause in this thing. It, it comes out next week? I think it comes out this week. Oh, okay. I think it's like the 24th that it mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah, so it's three days away, four days away. And, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of the first three movies, which I was, you're going to love this one. There's so, a lot of good stuff in this one. So I didn't get to see it, uh, but recently um, it was, I think, Pi Day, which was... What Tuesday or Wednesday this yeah. past week? Yeah. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's Pi got an IMAX release, uh, eight scanned in 8K with Dolby Atmos sound, and it, it's just weird to see this little 16 millimeter movie, right? Get a major blown up IMAX release with Aronofsky 100 percent behind the remastering. I think it's awesome though. Was it just that one day? Just that it, one day. It was three yeah. fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> in IMAX theaters only, so and it didn't come to Michigan, unfortunately. But of course, because we don't get anything yeah. typically concerts, <laughs> anything anymore, kind of stuff. So that'll mean that means it'll probably have a 4K though. Probably. Oh, I'm sure it'll get an updated. It has to. It got sold to A24. They released it. So. Oh, okay, yeah, probably will. Yeah, so they'll come out with some full slip steelbook yeah. Blu-ray 4K and I, package. And I, and I'll I'm buy sure. It. <laughs> They're also doing a 4K of Stop Making Sense. Oh, that's right. I read that too. So awesome! It's interesting seeing A twenty four doing older movies now. Like they're mostly known for making new movies because they're the best around. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, really, they are. They release the best stuff. So I bet you everything, everywhere, all at once got them a lot of money. But that they oh, can maybe yeah. acquire things more, right? Or right. easily easier. Um, so suggested viewings. I'm just gonna go with an easy one this week. I'm gonna say The Mandalorian because it's it. It's accessible to everybody, and you know a lot of people are like hating on this last episode because it was too much like Andor. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna suggest getting back into the Mandalorian because this episode was much more like Andor. They really went hard with trying to establish some actual character and backstory this time around, and like pushing towards um, the develop the the cloning science in star wars they really get into that very deep this time around and we see the return of the doctor from the first and second season of the mandalorian it kind of breaks off 
down a different path that doesn't stick straight just to the Mandalorian story. And I think that's some of the best Star Wars when it doesn't just stick to action and fighting. It actually has some character development and story this time around. So, you know, might not be for everybody. And I everybody has, you know, different attitudes about Star Wars. But for myself, I was completely into it. And I thought it was one of the best things they've done with that show since the first season. Breaking away from you know, Grogu in Mando in like showing, Hey, there's these other things going on that are building up that, you know, greater story arc about the whole star Wars story or galaxy. So that's my suggested viewing this week. What do you got, Andrew? Um, my one's going to be a little more weird. It's, uh, the Polish Academy Award nominee EO, which was, uh, didn't win. It lost to all quiet on the Western front, but uh, it's basically a remake of this, Robert Bresson film from the 1950s called uh, Al Hassad Balthazar, and it's about a donkey that gets passed around from owner to owner, and it's mistreated along the way, and it's okay. meant it's meant to form like a episodic tapestry of the people it encounters. But yeah. the remake is a lot more hallucinatory and experimental with light and sound, kind of in a Brandon Cronenberg way, which you wouldn't expect from a movie about a donkey and. Uh, startlingly surreal. It has Isabel Huppert shows up in it near the very end, and uh, it's from this long, uh, long-standing director named Jerzy Skolomowski, who I've been familiar with over the years, but only recently started watching his movies. And I uh, think he's one of Poland's top three directors. If I had to pick, I definitely. You saw this one, right, Michelle? No, EO. No. Yeah, no. I need to see this for sure. Yeah. It's on, uh, you can rent it now. I saw it, like, on Amazon. Yeah. It's on Criterion Channel also. Hey, I'm that guy. <laughs> so what do you got for us? Um, My pick. It's definitely not Cocaine Bear, right? No. <laughs> awful, awful, terrible movie. Um, My pick is Unicorn Wars. Oh, okay. Uh, what, directed by Alberto Vasquez, and he directed Bird Boy, The Forgotten Children, about five years ago or so, I would say. And uh, the way I described it in my review was Care Bears meets Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. <laughs> so if that sounds like something you like, you know, uh, it's basically these cute teddy bears, colorful teddy bears that look like Lisa Frank drew them, um, are fighting unicorns. Um, and, it, and it, like, a lot of people have been saying, oh, it's like, it's Happy Tree Friends-esque, but it's more, it's a lot deeper than that. It's a Spanish film, and it ta- and it's about, like, it's anti-war, it's about uh, fascism, anti-religion, and uh, it's extremely gory, very gory. In the beginning, it leans into the, oh, look, it's cute teddy bears training for war. Like, how funny is that, like, you know, dichotomy? But as it goes on, it's very disturbing. And there's a lot of dark thematical things going on. Very gory. There's um, Teddy Bear Wiener in it also. Ooh. Like more than one Teddy <laughs> Bear Wiener. semi-aroused. Yeah, I was, I was surprised at the amount of Teddy Bear Wiener in it, actually. <laughs> um, fantastic looking. It's like it's a mixture of 2D and 3D animation. Okay. Beautiful. looks like watercolors. Um, and... It's the music is fantastic too. It has a electronic score. It's really, really well made. But trigger warning: it's very dark, very, very troublesome material. Death, um, rotting bodies, 
legs getting cut off. All the war scenes are very, very gruesomely depicted when they fight the unicorns. One of the characters is very sociopathic and does horrible, horrible things. There's cannibalism in it. Wow. Um, yeah. It sounds kind of like, well, from the pictures you showed me online, it sounds kind of like a Martin Rosen film, like Watership Down or The Plague uh, Dogs. It, yeah, it, I would say, so because it's like, because it's modern, it's more in your face about it. You know, Watership Down is gruesome, but it's still kind of refined. It, it still kind of holds back a little bit, you know. It, this movie isn't like that. This is like more... I don't want to say any more like Quentin Tarantino kind of stylized violence. It's yeah. a little bit transgressive. It's a little bit uh, violence for the sake of being edgy, I guess you could say. But I think it does have deeper things to say about war and um, and the way the horrors of war and how futile it is and, you know, man and how we're terrible creatures as well. And it it's a little deeper then it sounds on it because if you just like read the summary it's all like you know teddy bears fighting unicorns in a gory battle and you're like oh it sounds like edgelord type stuff but it's it's deeper than that i feel like i feel like it it it's trying to tackle more thoughtful themes but it, it also is aware that seeing care bear looking animals fighting each other is kind of funny and it leans into that a little bit especially in the beginning but as it goes on, it's it's less funny, I guess you could say. It's on Amazon uh, if you want to rent it. I think it's probably on other things, but that's where I rented it was on Amazon. It's only rentable right now, I think. Yeah, no, it was playing in theaters. My friend saw it in a theater. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's playing theatrically. Uh, very limited release, though. Hmm. I couldn't find anywhere around us that was playing it, so I had to rent it. But it would be absolutely fantastic to see theatrically because it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful animated films I've seen in years. Do you know what? I would also like to recommend All Quiet on the Western Front. I should have actually said that one (laughs) (laughs) because it's actually one of the best war films I've ever seen. And it is very, very brutal and very, very sad. But it gets into, like a lot of war movies only get into the violence of the war all quiet on the Western front gets very deep into the politics of the war and basically gets very heavy into the dramatics of the French and the Germans meeting and saying armistice. Like we're, we're, we're calling a truce, yeah. but German leadership saying, Oh no, the truce doesn't happen until this time you guys get back out there and mm-hmm. fight in all these boys, these young men saying, wait, 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 it's over. We're, we, it needs to end. We're done. And then the German military executing their own soldiers because they wouldn't get back out and fight in the fields when there was an actual truce. Yeah. On the movie, it's very moving. It's very sad, but it really gets into how horrible war is arbitrary yeah and just like like i said the politics of it Mm -hmm. and what's going on in the background like you see this meeting going on between the german and the french and you're like like okay like germans and the french (laughs) sorry i told you i'm tired um and just it just continues going and going and going and the brutality never stops so if you haven't seen that one, it is on Netflix, so you can watch it for free with your subscription. Um, and I believe it's coming out on 4K oh. in like two weeks. 
Nice. Something like that. Pretty I, soon. I think it's been available for a bit, unless unless Is I'm it? wrong. Okay. It's a German 4K, but Amazon has a deal to sell it in the U.S. So, this week we wanted to talk about the Oscars. We have nothing specific to talk about the Oscars, but I thought it was kind of important for us to um, talk about um, how positive the show was this year mm-hmm. compared to the last couple of years. This year, it really... Um, it just had a whole different feel to it. Like yeah. things were happy, things were light. Um, I think Jimmy Kimmel hosting it. I think he did a fabulous job. They were like, "Get the safest person we can," because <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really worked. Because he's hosted it before, right? Like yeah, he several has. times. I think yes. so. But I think um, this year it just, it felt like a whole different animal again, didn't mm-hmm. it? Like it felt very positive, and it felt like um, like very culturally relevant again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, the uh, the Oscar sweep for everything, everywhere, all at once is pretty historic. Would you not say? Like, how many award the top awards did it win? Like all of them? Yeah. Yes. I was actually. Uh, when I first saw it, like way back when it came out, I was thinking to myself, I really, it was my favorite movie of 2022. And I thought to myself, there's no way it's going to get nominated for anything because it's so weird. And usually Oscar voters don't gravitate towards strange films. Um, and then it, and then it starts sweeping the other awards, like, uh, you know, What's the other one? Golden Globes? Independent Spirit Awards. Independent Spirit Awards. Well, usually sometimes if that's a pretty good indicator. If it wins those, it's probably going to win some Oscars. Mm-hmm. But it, I was just surprised that it got acknowledged by Hollywood because it's such a strange personal film. It's got like, and it's, it has some crude stuff in it too. Butt plugs and <laughs> <laughs> butt plug kung fu and, and, and weird digressions such as hot dog finger universes and talking raccoons. And it's just such a bizarre film that and I was rocks sitting on the yeah. edge of the cliff. And you're just, hearing what they're thinking or I saying. Just, yeah. I was yeah. just surprised that it got acknowledged by the Academy and it's a genre film. It's a sci-fi film. And those usually also very rarely get awards. They don't get awards for the, the big awards, you know, like Best right, Picture, right, Best right. Director. And they usually get things like Best Cinematography or Best Costuming, you know. Best Visual Effects. Yeah, or... yeah. You know? No, I mean, it was a very interesting film to get th- so much recognition. Mm-hmm. But I think, it, you know, the whole multiverse thing is very popular yeah. right now. And this was... Um, like the first movie that kind of did it that wasn't an established property or like a comic book thing, mm-hmm. you know? Because what do we have? Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Now we're getting The Flash, which is going to be a multiverse mm-hmm. movie too. But like this was the first one really that kind of was a very just like broad spectrum mm-hmm. release to the public. But this thing, when it hit theaters, it actually did really, really well. Yes. Too. It's their biggest moneymaker to date. Oh, for sure. 100%. Um, but I just felt like this year, yes, (laughs) 
Uh, it's not. There just wasn't any slapping. Josh said it's still a giant jerk-off fest, which <laughs> I guess it is. So, it is. you know, to that point, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Oscars as a concept because I feel like a lot of times it ignores a lot of interesting um, artistic films for more for things that appeal more to general audiences. And I feel like a lot of the Oscar voters themselves are out of touch old white guys and mm-hmm. and they they don't have their finger on the pulse of the youth or what's going on or what's going on in art. Like a lot of movies, I would say every year, you know, when I do my top 20, when Oscars come around, maybe like one or two movies in my top 20 will be like nominated for things. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as an institution in general, I kind of agree with Josh that it's like, it is kind of like, you know, Hollywood, you know, jerking themselves off. Like, oh, look how, you know, but at the same look time. how great we are. Yeah. A lot of self-congratulations. Yeah. But at the same time, I also, I also like the idea of the people that work on these movies who aren't famous, the the stylists, the, the, the people that write the scores, the all these people work really hard to get a movie off the ground and going and, and, and sacrifice a lot of their time. And it's nice to see some acknowledgement from f- for that, for for putting all that work out there. It's good to see. And a lot of times when people win Oscars, it opens doors for other stuff. So if Michelle Yao uh, gets an Oscar and she's, you know, Asian, that opens a door. I mean, sadly, this is what it takes to open doors. But it'll open doors for more Asian uh, actresses and actors to get cast into things. Or they'll go, uh, hey, this movie about Asians did well. So let's let more Asian people direct these films because it looks like, oh, there's a there's a market for it. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like sad that it takes getting an Oscar for for like uh, underrepresented groups to get acknowledgement. But that's just the way shit but is. But that's so. sometimes what you need to do is you need to push them into the forefront. Yeah. Like Get Out when it yeah. won an Oscar. It opened so many doors for other black creators to have a space to go to Hollywood and say, there's a market for this. Look, this won an Oscar. There's a market for people are hungry for for art made by black, you know, writers right, and right. black directors and black characters and, and stories. So, I mean, it's kind of like a two way street. Yeah, it's, you know, kind of like farts with and your own farts too it is right. but at the other end of the you know spectrum it's also giving people opportunities that normally probably wouldn't well because you guys would probably agree with me that parasite winning best picture probably helped yeah everything everywhere all at once yeah get it's kind of like a domino effect yeah mm-hmm. it definitely ushered in uh, uh asian representation in mainstream film for most most non uh moviegoers you know the average person going to see a movie probably wouldn't have otherwise seen parasite yeah i mean because we've all been big fans of asian cinema for years yeah Mm -hmm. i have for decades you have you have i mean but old boy right right but no i mean this was a huge year for asian cinema yeah in general even though this was a domestic u.s release Mm -hmm. i mean key high kwan yeah winning too Mm -hmm. i mean I, I have nothing bad to say about this movie at all. Um, and just the um, like the teamwork that went into it with the Daniels yeah. and their, um, their cast and crew to create something that multifaceted with so many layers to it and to pull it off and have the general public be like, wow, this weird thing is 
the best thing we saw this year. Yeah. It's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. And they were just a breath of fresh air at the Oscars. They were so earnest and just joyful. They seemed like they really liked each other as like friends as 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 opposed to just like working together. Every time they took the stage, it was very infectious. They were just so joyful and cheerful and and gracious. You know, it's you know, and uh, Daniel Kwan, uh, you know, talking about how he's a a child of immigrants. And, and like, it's the American dream, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, to come from that status and work your way up to, you know, directing films about your immigrant, like, story. He used the film as a way, t- as a vehicle to tell the story of, of immigrants and how yeah. they cope yeah. with day-to-day life and how they integrate with society and in, in, in America and stuff. It That's kind of thing doesn't get mainstream attention most of the time. Well, I think it, it was a very good sign of the momentum that maybe the Oscars are making towards accepting the weird as something general audiences mm-hmm. love as well. I mean, because too often they play it yeah. so up and safe yeah. that it's disturbing. You know, what was the um, the movie about the deaf girl that won? It was last year, right? Which one? Coda. Coda. Oh. That won Best Picture too, right? Yeah. Like, it's a great feel-good movie. It's a great family movie, but much like Green Book, I felt like that was a play it safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, play it safe for general audiences movie. Like the term Oscar bait, you know? Yeah, right. No, because that term, I mean, it definitely exists, and it exists for a reason. Um, and it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, that's what they were saying about Babylon. Like, mm-hmm. oh, total Oscar bait yeah. is being released r- right at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I know we all have multiple feelings about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, Coda, I didn't... It's a watchable movie. Yeah. It's an enjoyable movie. It's like, like Spotlight, just once and done. Yeah. yeah right. Um, and same thing, like, with Green Book. I felt like, oh, it's a watchable movie. It's fine. Yeah. But we've seen this story... A billion times. A billion times. Like everything, everywhere, totally different, unique, dynamic, mm-hmm. in a phenomenal cast. And for him to come back after not acting for how many years was it? Long time. Yeah. Decades. Yeah, 20 years mm-hmm. or something. He gave up and yeah. said, you know, Hollywood's not accepting enough of Asian actors. And then he comes back and he wins an Oscar for mm-hmm. his first major role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the emotion, you know, of his speech and the um, the connection he has with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. There's nothing more sugary sweet than, you know, him grinning from ear to ear yeah. when Harrison Ford came out on stage and then hugging him yeah. on stage like, wow, like this is like moving stuff now. Mm-hmm. The Oscars is, you know, we've come to know it as Will Smith yeah. smacking people. Smack you know? on. Like, how do we more than make up for that? Well, they did. Yeah. No, they totally did. So, what were the other winners this year? Uh, Brendan Fraser for The Whale. That movie was very divisive. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, And I can see both sides. I personally liked the film. Um, I I did, too. I thought it was fantastic, actually, and I thought he was fantastic in it. But... I think a lot of people judged it without seeing it. And mm-hmm. I can see if you just look at it on the surface level, it's called The Whale. 
there's an obese man in it and people were like well that's already derogative just from the title which if you actually watch the movie you realize that it's a, a Moby Dick reference and, yeah. and he's not the whale he's Ahab and the whale is his daughter exactly but you have to watch the movie to pick up on that and a lot of people I think and a lot of films I think nowadays um, they get discourse around them and people um, just read other people's opinion on the movie and, and kind of incorporate that into their opinion even if they haven't seen it mm-hmm. i would see a lot of people go i read this review and it said this so i think the movie's bad but they haven't seen the movie right. mind you mm-hmm. they're just making they're they're getting like a vicarious opinion which mm-hmm. is just silly to me i get that like critics that's the kind of point of a critic is to you know i guess cr- critique the film and also curate you know people are like oh what I only have $20 to spend. What should I spend it on this week? Okay, this movie, this critic said it was bad. I'm not going to spend my money on it, right? I get that aspect of it, but I, I just feel like it's, you know, disingenuous to form an opinion on something you haven't seen. And and, and then decry and say it's bad and tell other people they're bad for watching it, but you've never seen it, so how the fuck do you know what the movie's about? Excuse my French, but it, it's yeah. just, it aggravates me, I guess. If I, you watch it and, you, and then you don't like it, 100%, in your opinion, it's subjective. I get it. 100% yep. will back up whatever you think. But I do not give a rat's ass about your opinion if you haven't watched it. it your opinion means nothing to me Yeah. on it. The Whale, I I loved the movie too. It was, it was just very hard. Mm-hmm. It was a very hard watch, much like most of Aronofsky's mm-hmm. other films. It's a very hard watch. This is the second time an Aronofsky film has been nominated and won for an Oscar. Yeah. The other being Black Swan. Yeah. He has a way with his actors, just really gets them to bleed emotionally on film. And well, and he understands how to like bring darkness to the screen. And like it's overwhelming, but you can kind of accept it. Mm-hmm. Because his characters are just so well formed and written mm-hmm. that you want you want to feel bad for them and you want to see what's going to happen to them. Yeah, Brendan Fraser, one hundred percent, totally deserved that Oscar, mm-hmm. like hands down. And again, same thing, like sugary sweet. Seeing him come back after all of the you know badness that happened to him in his career, mm-hmm. and him basically being blackballed by Hollywood. And then being able to come back and have like this year where he's like, he just takes everything. Yeah. You know, and how he um, enunciates and he says the way he feels. Yeah. You know, and it's no, it's no bullshit. Like Mm. you can listen to him and you're like, I want to hang out with that dude. Yeah. Like we can invite him down in my little dungeon here (laughs) and he would sit in uh, this chair and he would just talk to us like a normal person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have that air about him that he would be pretentious. Pretentious or a dick, you know? And I think that's important. I think that was a good role for him in a meta sense because he he was a sex symbol um mm-hmm. when he was younger and then he for Hollywood standards gained weight. I thought he looked like a normal dude. He didn't, you know, he looks just like, he was just looking like a normal guy to me. But in Hollywood land, he was deemed unattractive. He was not the 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 heartthrob 
Right. That I'm doing quotes for people that are listening later. <laughs> the heartthrob. I mean, watching, I mean, he, though, too, so. he is. I, I thought he was attractive then. I think he's attractive now. He just looks a little different. But, you know. He looks a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. That's he it. he uh, aged. That happens mm. to some people. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Not me. Yeah, uh-huh. not going to happen to any of us. But it happened to Brandon <laughs> Fraser. He aged and he looks different. And I think that part of him not being cast as much is because he, he was cast. You know, some of some of his casting was based on him being attractive. I mean, he's a great actor, but I mean, let's be real. Some of it was because he was attractive, too. And he and, you know, this is a good role for him because he gets to channel some of those feelings into that character of of being deemed by society to be worthless, not not good enough, because the character in the in the the movie's less about in my opinion it's less about obesity specifically it's more about addiction and how people deal with grief and how people uh deal with death of something they love because there's there are several people in the film that are addicted like his ex-wife is an alcoholic so she's addicted to booze um he's addicted to food in the same way but you know, in society, people look down, I guess, more upon obese people than alcoholics because it's tied to your physical appearance. They just, it's just something right. because of the way society is, they, it, they are just looked down on more. When well, he, they can see the physical. Yeah. They can't see Yeah, what's you can going hide alcoholism, I yeah. guess, more. You know, it's more about addiction, in my opinion. He just happens to be obese. I don't think the film is really about obese, obesity specifically and like looking down on it i guess yeah um mm-hmm. but i could I also see if you are an obese person in real life and you deal with that on a daily basis that it would be very hard to see a, that mirrored back at you because you live that that's your life you mm-hmm. can't you can't like i can go i'm not you know skinny but i am also not um i would say like in the fat acceptance world i'm not there's like all these different like uh you know like fat and then like super fats and all stuff there's like an actual like hierarchy of like how oh, much your yeah. your obesity affects like your quality of life as as people perceive you um so i guess the issue is brendan fraser is not obese in real life and he can take that fat suit off at the end mm-hmm. of the day yeah but people that are that obese in real life they cannot they have that's their life they live that every day so i can see their trepidation watching a film have that mirrored back their have their experience mirrored back to them perhaps even inaccurately because Darren Aronofsky doesn't come off to me as someone he's provocative you know he do oh, he he's does totally provocative. he does things to be provocative and I'm sure he was attracted to this story initially because it's a provocative story um, and he leans into it a little bit because he's Aronofsky can't help himself mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of refined for him but I I guess I can just I'm just saying I can empathize empathize with why some people were upset with the film even um but you know at the end of the day i still think that it wasn't as it, it wasn't an attack towards obese obesity specifically it was i a didn't film think that, so at all yeah it was yeah, just embracing either. how people deal with grief and, it was a non-judgmental character study yeah correct yeah it was a slice of life mm-hmm. like this is this character and these are the things he's dealing with and all those things in that movie were very realistic. Yeah. It's you know. Not unlike the wrestler, not just thematically, but in terms of the yeah. actor being, you know, once a heartthrob sex symbol in his youth, now he's kind of crusty and <laughs> beaten up from plastic surgeries yeah. and fighting. And he, it, the, that film was kind of his comeback role, too. It was as much about his comeback yep. as it was about the character. 
which you can say the, the same about the whale. That's there's something sort of meta about uh, uh, the character and the actor's comeback. Well, you know, even the way that the whale is filmed is very similar to the wrestler, mm-hmm. like the very hyper realistic filming, like in your face, very right gritty on, and grainy. Yeah, grainy right on top of the characters yeah. the entire time. The dialogue is shot similar in, as shot well. Four three, mm-hmm. and then I'm not going to spoil anything. But the end scene is almost a one for one to the the conclusion yeah. of the wrestler with him jumping off mm-hmm. the ropes. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. Same thing with this movie, but with him kind of, yeah. So, because I know not everybody has seen this movie. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of trepidation about buying this one on Blu-ray. Like I saw it at Best Buy for sixteen bucks the other day, and I'm was like, was it out on Blu-ray? Yeah, it's already out on Blu-ray. That for sure. Oh, because they always do that. Like, yeah. oh, if one, you know, yeah. it's on 4K digital. So I'm thinking A24, okay. they're gonna do I'll one of their yeah. online exclusive store releases. They they're good releases, but they want like fifty dollars for yeah. right. disc. I just don't know how many more times I'm going to watch The Whale yeah. because it is so just, it keeps you down. Yeah. You know. It's a bummer movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Requiem is the same, but Requiem has so much more going on mm-hmm. with the editing and the music Stylized. and lighting and mm-hmm. the style, you know. Well, it's a much more complex picture. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I'll buy this one, but um, I think... Brendan Fraser absolutely deserved it, and I think you know he was just so gracious on stage that mm-hmm. I think like that's something people need to see. Yeah, because you so often hear, "Oh, they're just assholes," or mm-hmm. "They're just this," or "They're that." You know, Hollywood, they're just a bunch of weirdos. Well, yeah. like one of the other bright moments of the Oscars that I want to shed light on is uh, uh, for once Disney didn't win the animation award for right. this year; they finally gave it to somebody else. <laughs> What was it this year? Uh, oh, it was... Pinocchio by That's right. the Del Toro Netflix film. Why don't we touch on that? I've not seen it. Oh, it's fantastic. Is it? Yes. Um, it's very dark. Like it's a light. It's a you know that's Del Toro's thing is the dark fantasy angle, right? Mm-hmm. But I liked that this Pinocchio was more a meditation on death and kind and kind of the inevitability of death. And the fact that it comes for all of us and the fact that even if somebody dies, you can still go on without them. And it's okay. It's okay to keep going. Um, I, it's a, it's about war, fascism, uh, a lot. I, that's, uh, those are themes that Del Toro has returned to again and again in his previous films. He's very, he's very anti-war, um, and it's so funny that it wasn't even the only Pinocchio movie that came it's out. One there of was, several. That, and they were all. The Disney one was especially bad. Yeah. It was like. I didn't watch. I watched I've like heard half of it. nothing but bad things about that. Yeah, I watched like, like half of it. It was like, I'm out. There know? was a Russian one that was dubbed over in English, but with Polly Shore as the voice of Pinocchio. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that one. Uh, I forget what it, what it's called. It's Pinocchio something or other, but it's supposed to be the worst of them. Wow. It was worse than the Disney one? Yeah. Because that was really bad. Yeah, there's a lot of Pinocchio happening again right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm surprised nobody's doing like the Winnie the Pooh thing and making a Pinocchio horror movie. Yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could but, work. Oh, well, I've heard I mean, bad Del- things about that one, though. Well, Del Toro, <laughs> it's sort of horror. I mean, there's horror elements to it, in my opinion. So he kind of did it. So Avatar... 
obviously won for best visual effects. I think everybody was going to. Yeah, you know, we all kind of figured that one. Yeah. Did it win production design also? Or um, I believe so. I believe so. Oh no, 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 no. All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, okay. Got pe- best production design. In have you guys seen it? Still haven't seen it no. yet. <sighs> I've read the book, and the book's good. I've seen it's, the original version. The... It's absolutely mind blowing. The design in this film, yeah, mm-hmm. like the um the war scenes are just like they're absolutely stunning to look at, and then like you get into these towns that are just just blown out, mm-hmm. and it's very very real and very just. It's got that like kind of gray tan dusty feel to it like everything's been blown to shit you know very realistic and then also the um the costume design and the makeup is bar none some of the best of the year for sure so i definitely 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 deserved it did the banshees of inisherin win anything or that one get snubbed i didn't uh no i think it did i don't think it got snubbed i just don't think it really won anything i don't think it did so have both you guys seen this one i've seen it i haven't seen the banshee okay it's a pretty wild movie about basically about two lifelong friends and one of them one day decides he doesn't like the other guy anymore and it it starts out petty and then escalates from there visually beautiful film uh with this horrific story uh insane story at the epicenter of this beautiful backdrop is it, it's directed by the three billboards dude, right? Um, Martin McDonough, I think is his yeah. name. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And he also did In Bruges, mm-hmm. too, oh, correct? Okay. I've seen that. Yeah. That movie's and awesome. And three billboards, which is also good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to pick that up still. I know that just recently got a 4K release as well. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it looks and sounds phenomenal. I definitely, definitely, definitely need to pick that up. Tar didn't win anything, and that's the most critically acclaimed movie of the year. I'm kind of shocked at that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. In a way, well, I guess I shouldn't really say it. I'm shocked in a way, and then I'm not kind of shocked in a way because it is such a slow paced, even keeled movie, mm-hmm. and like nothing much really happens yeah, until the end, like the last third. Yeah, until you find out, oh, she's really a horrible, horrible yeah. person. Yeah, it's um, mostly driven by soliloquies and exchanges. Yeah. And I think it's very kind of reminiscent of a lot of the stuff that's gone on in Hollywood mm-hmm. for years with the abuse and stuff like that. So maybe that's part of the reason why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a good movie, though. I wouldn't have been mad if, if it had won, to be honest. No, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been mad. I think it's also kind of like it's a, a litmus test, I guess. or mm-hmm. um, Because I've seen, I've seen uh, both camps uh, say that it is simultaneously against can- cancel culture and uh, for it so like because because i don't know like there's a scene um towards the beginning where tar has an interaction with a younger student in her class and she's talking about a famous composer who made beautiful music that is iconic but and then the student says, well, they were a bad person. The The composer themselves was a bad person. Right. So their art is bad. Right. And she um, tries to talk to him about it. She, she she sits the student down and tries to explain. But she, but she's not talking. She's talking at him. She's not 
trying to make him understand. She's just talking at him. And he's and so therefore he is getting defensive and not accepting what she's saying. So they're both frustrating each other. To me, it's it, that sequence is about older generation trying to talk to younger generation and both of them not meeting in the middle to actually to discuss the ideas because each side doesn't respect each other right, as a right, as an right. intellectual, right? So Tar is very pompous and pretentious when she's trying to talk to the student and the student I mean, to be honest, he does have good points. He's like, you know, a lot, you know, especially older artists, they were allowed to be shittier people and still make art. Mm -hmm. Whereas now people kind of hold artists to a little bit of a different standard. Sometimes people can't separate art and artist. And and sometimes it depends on what the artist did. I mean, there's a difference between an artist that's like, was just kind of a jerk. And then be there's Army Hammer who yeah, tells there's, he's, he's yeah. going to eat you. It's, it's also about her position of power right. and how she's able to use her academia to dress down other students and right. humiliate and ma manipulate them, which she ends up doing more drastically, we find out later with uh, with one of her younger students right, from the past. Right. And that's yeah. ironic because that's why she's trying to defend, um, separate the art from the artist because she knows that she's also a shitty person. Mm. But, that is, but that is acclaimed and is successful in her field, right? Mm -hmm. And she, you know... It, it's a very intriguing movie, but I, 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 always, I just thought it was funny that a lot of some people took it as the movies against cancel culture when it's not. It's not really for it or against it. It's just presenting a situation objectively and saying, yeah, here's yeah. all the aspects of it, right? Like, here's every angle of Tar. Mm -hmm. Like, Tar, is Tar like an evil person? No. Is she a good person? No. no. She's like just a person, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sh should a person have so much power over other people when they're not good probably not it, is she good at her job yes like there's all these like different angles i guess i'm trying to say you know did uh triangle of sadness get anything at the oscars this year um because that won the palm d'Or at can which is a pretty prestigious award i don't think it won anything it was nominated i don't think it won no it didn't win anything which is I mean, I guess not surprising, but also very surprising to me because it, I mean, it won the what many consider to be the top honor in world cinema is the Palme d'Or. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not shocked, though, because I, I, I just think everything everywhere, I think everybody's eyes were just whoop, whoop, focused yeah. on that at that point. We didn't really talk about Jamie Lee Curtis at all. Yeah, you know, I honestly thought uh, the other actress, the one Angela th Bassett. No, um, Angela Bassett's good was good, but I didn't think she was boss worthy enough to be honest. I think you know the I, other actress that played Tabuki in Everything Everywhere. What was her name? Is it Michelle Hu Sue? Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. That's why I always try to take notes, and I'm terrible. Yeah, I have time it's to okay. Take notes. It's all right. But that actress I thought was absolutely phenomenal in she everything was. everywhere all at once and I thought she was better than Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't it and Jamie Lee Curtis was good um so I was kind of a little bit about that one but Stephanie Hsu yes she mm -hmm. was fantastic I thought she should have won the Oscar for that personally but um Jamie Lee Curtis you know that was kind of a win for genre you know, for horror, I guess, even though she specifically wasn't playing in a horror movie, but she's done a lot of she horror She was kind work. of grandfathered into it. Yeah. I think it was a legacy win. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a fact that, you know, she's getting a little bit older. She's never had this nomination before, and now she does. And I just think that's what it was. Yeah. I just think it was age and legacy, and she's been in Hollywood for decades. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not fair, 
to yeah. a younger actress, but that younger actress probably has she's got a lot more time yeah. now mm-hmm. to be nominated. I did see the um the race card thrown around a lot. Yeah, about I can... Angela Bassett, and I I she was good in it, but like Angela Bassett can do that performance in her sleep. That is right. that is her standard. That's how she is in every movie. She's she's yeah. just very commanding and mm-hmm. elegant and 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 com, you know powerful. That's how she plays every character she plays. That to me, I mean, to me when I saw her in that movie, I thought that was just a normal Angela Bassett role because she just is always that good. She's good in everything. I just think out of all the no- in comparison to the other nominees, I didn't think that she was the best personally. But that's just my opinion. I, I don't think. She was the best. Again, like you said, she was very powerful Mm -hmm. in that role. But that's what she does in everything. Yeah. Like, she demands, you know, like, she has that screen presence in every movie she's in. And, you know, it sucks. Maybe if she had given that performance in a movie that wasn't Wakanda Forever, Mm -hmm. then maybe she would have had more of a chance of winning. But they did nominate her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. People are like, oh, it's racist that they, she didn't win it and i'm like no it's not it would be racist if they gave her that award because she's black yeah but i don't think correct but you know that's kind of the well that gets in a little bit to, in my opinion that gets into every time somebody of color wins something they go every they're always like well they only won it because they were that color so like nobody right. can ever win anything without somebody saying that but when white people win stuff, nobody says it about white people. Right, right. So it, it's like, I just think she just wasn't the best performance. This yeah. is all there is to it. I'm, I hope she does another performance and gets an Oscar. I just didn't think she was the best. But I can see why people feel that way because a lot of people get snubbed, you know, and this is the way it works. But I didn't think Wakanda Forever was the greatest thing ever. And I was surprised I got nominated for anything. If I'm being honest, costumes, that was about it. That was the only thing I thought Yeah. that really it had a chance. So there's a lot of Marvel fatigue setting in, which we talked about earlier. So that probably factored into her not winning it because mm-hmm. it is a business. I mean, not everything For is sure. about art. They, they got to say, we want to, we want to award good art, but we also want to make sure it's profitable art. Mm-hmm. So, well, in proof that it's a business, like literally the week after the Oscars are on the whales on blu-ray and mm-hmm. dvd mm-hmm. you know the day after the oscars everything everywhere is back in theaters yeah. wide release so mm-hmm. it totally is a business like mm-hmm. we need to drive sales also wakanda forever did phenomenal box office and it's doing phenomenal home video yeah. sales as well mm-hmm. but again i just don't think angela bassett was the best yeah. pick and that's all there is to it and she wasn't bad either. I thought she was good in it. I She's mean, probably the best part of that movie. Yeah, I thought she was too. Yeah. So, you know, it just is what it is. Damn politics. <laughs> politics and everything. Insect politics. Insect politics. <laughs> we got these ants over here. I'd like to become the first insect politician. Yes. Did Top Gun win any awards? Maverick? Top Gun technical got awards. Technical best sound. Oh, okay. It did have good sound. I saw that bitch in like Dolby. That shit was like, Bruh. yeah. And it's good demo material to sell home theaters. Oh yeah, for the four K sure. is fucking immaculate. Like, oh yeah, if that four K looks great. If you have a four K player, you are doing yourself a disservice if you do not own that Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Four K. It looks immaculate, and the sound is incredible on it. It is. It's it like is. what it's they call it. Yeah, yeah, reference quality. 
you know, and again, you know, like Top Gun was nominated for Best Picture. I was like, mm. uh, like, come on, look, that was, what, look that was, what you're up against. I think that was they were giving it because it quote unquote saved the industry. Yeah, and got people back in theaters. Right, when right. No other movies could. Only a few, like. Godzilla vs. Kong got people back into theaters very <laughs> early into COVID. No Way Home, Spider-Man, No Way Home did, yeah. too. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it was a good movie. It's an enjoyable movie. Yeah, I like it. It's definitely Star Wars, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, like, at my brother's in Florida a couple weeks ago. He's like, yeah, Top Gun was a really good movie, but it was just the first Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole trench run got to drop this missile into this yeah. port and blow the entire base up. But like mm-hmm. everybody saw Top Gun Maverick. People that yes. that normally I know that don't aren't movie people like came up to me cuz I'm movie like at work I'm movie person at work. And, right, like right. all my coworkers I know that don't watch movies regularly like did you see Top Gun Maverick? Like they went back to the theater <laughs> to see it like several times. So yeah. I get that like that movie got butts and seats and Yeah. I'm sure Hollywood just wanted to acknowledge it for something, you know, because yep. getting butts and seats keeps Hollywood around, right? Well, and that's the thing you can say about Tom Cruise, too. Like, he may be a little bit of a weirdo, and, I mean, the stunts he does, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he works for it. Yeah. Like, that dude doesn't F around. Like, I mean, mm. he does the majority of the stunt work himself and does some crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, like, he makes good movies. Yeah, he's had a couple stinkers, The Mummy and, you know, a couple other ones. But how many bad movies has Tom Cruise been in? Yeah, not a lot. I can't really think of many at all. And I think that was something that was missing from film, like, uh, during COVID was spectacle. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, say what you want about blockbuster films. Those films keep the industry alive enough for smaller films to be made. Right. You know, and I think Tenet was the last really big blockbuster film. And then COVID kind of happened. Well, it didn't kind of happen. It did. But, you know, I'm saying like yeah. Tenet was like the last pre, pre-COVID pre blockbuster. And then there was like... But a, it wasn't. Because Tenet came out during COVID. Well, I mean, they it was made previous to oh, COVID. Oh, got it, got it. It was okay. like right. the before times, got you know, it. movie. <laughs> the before times. Yeah, it was made in the before times. And I think Top Gun was too, also. Maverick. I believe was mostly complete. I mostly was done. Before yeah. COVID, and they held on to it until the theaters yep, came back. Because they kept delaying it, delaying mm-hmm. it, delaying it. It was delayed for like two and a half years. Yeah, no so, Time to Die was among the yep, ones that yeah. got delayed. Yeah. So there was like a lack of, I guess, spectacle movies to get the general audience type person back into the theater. And Maverick was one of those movies that got people to just go back to the theater. And I feel like the Hollywood is the industry's finally catching up and kind of mm-hmm. getting back to where it was before COVID happened. So that's a good sign, you know? Well, a real positive sign is that on Thursday night when Shazam was opening, I took Bethany Connor and Lucy to see scream six. Yeah. Cause they all love those movies. So, um, I had some passes still to AMC, so I'm like, oh, we'll just go. Matilda didn't want to go because she's not a big horror fan. She mm-hmm. doesn't like to be scared. So we went to see Scream 6, and this was, you know, second week of release on a Thursday night, and our theater was, like, pretty damn full. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was shocked. Yeah. I was actually, wow, there's actually a lot of people here, which is something that for the past couple years – you know, yeah. you go second week, there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's seeing it first week and then it just dies off and they really wait for quickly. Streaming. 
And there are a lot of people in the lobby. There are a lot of people there to see Shazam. And there are a lot of people there to see other stuff, too. Mm -hmm. But I was actually kind of like, wow, I think, you know, this whole thing about movie theaters are going to die and they're dying and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think that maybe our assumption's wrong. Mm -hmm. I I think maybe the the makeup of movies will be different because a lot of indie or house theaters uh, folded under. So there, I, th- I think maybe blockbuster big films will dominate more than they used to um, theatrically. But I also, I've also noticed that a lot of studios are, are re-releasing uh, legacy mm-hmm. stuff that they have in theaters again, in hopes maybe to just get people back in there you know, old classics and stuff. So you're also seeing a lot of tiny movies that are making a profit, like Skin of a Rink. Uh, like how many millions did that make? And it cost just under fifteen thousand. Yeah. I mean, I think it made twenty or something, twenty or thirty million, didn't? It? I mean, I know it was like crazy. It was a lot for how much, and that you know, that's also kind of playing into how important social media and going viral is I think Megan wouldn't have been as popular as it was if it hadn't had that little, that clip of the doll dancing Mm -hmm. go viral. Everybody was just all over that, loved it. And I think that kind of helped it. And Skin Rink also had a similar style viral sensation. I I honestly, and it sounds bad, and I'm sure the director would probably not like this statement, but I think it getting leaked helped. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was upset, you know, and, and he's right to be upset because it sucks to work on something and it gets like pirated. I, I it's happening more often. Right. Mm. But it getting leaked and the word of mouth that leak generated where it was like, wow, Skinner Rink movie's crazy. Whoa, you know, like that, I think, helped. It. By the time it was released, it had a built in audience. Right. Already. Everybody was like hearing about, oh, wow, Skinner Rink movie so scary. You can only download on the deep web, you know, and. And then it was, I thought it helped it, but I'm sure he would think differently. I was way off. It made $1.5 million. Oh. Mm. Well, that's a so lot for how much they, $15,000 budget. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for a movie as weird and experimental as that too. Mm. Well, for, the Outwaters was the same. The Outwaters yeah. did, I think, fairly well in that little teeny tiny release window they gave it. Mm. And uh, I'm still not sure what I watched, but. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm. That movie I did not like as much as Skin Rink. I felt like it was like a lot. It was really uneven. But I was, I just like that movies like that are able to get released. And, and you know, maybe there's more spaces now. Like I mm-hmm. was saying, you know, like you were saying, smaller movies can just like kind of slip in and get a little theatrical showing because there's just, there's just not as many movies being released to theaters as yeah. usual. So there's more space, I guess. So a little, you could sneak a little Skin Rink or an Outwaters in there, you mm-hmm. know. The only thing that's kind of annoying is there's not a ton of promotion for these movies. Like right. you have to, you have to look for them. Like I didn't even know Holy Spider was getting a release until I saw. Oh, they're playing it. Yeah. I may as well go see it. But no promotion, no nothing. That just appeared in theaters. So that's one side effect of COVID. Uh, I haven't uh, post COVID cinema that I haven't liked. It's having to keep up with the movie releases, and they're in such a short window that you don't go that weekend. You might not see it that way at all. It's also this weird, like, splintering happening with all the different streaming studios will, like, grab rights to stuff. So the only way you could see movies if, like, you have this one specific streaming service 
So stuff will come out and I'm like, oh, I want to watch the thing. And you're like, oh, it's like on Hulu and this is on Shudder and this is on this and this is on fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's do. what happened with Infinity Pool. Yeah. Was the un- unrated cut. It was only released on which one was it? On Neon's website. Yeah. It was only on their website. It. It's just so. harder to find. Sometimes it's just hard to get a movie and watch it without. Like, I don't want to buy a whole, you know, streaming service for one movie. It's annoying. Oh, come on. You don't have a million dollars a month? <laughs> a Prey is only yeah. on Hulu, I think. Yeah. And that that one I've wanted to own for a while now. It doesn't even it didn't have a release, right? No. Like a physical. They're not from what I understand, they're not going to release a physical copy of it. I it's may have seen be streaming only. something floating around if you're in Oh, you I'm know. sure like if you go on eBay, you can probably buy, <laughs> you know, Little, Joe Neckbeard in the basement yeah, with a you know, 4K burner. Yeah, a little basement release. himself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the one other one we didn't talk about was it's RRR, right? Oh, yeah. I've not seen this movie. It's good. You should watch have it. Have you seen this? I still haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah, it's good. So, Just so, the dance number. Yeah, yeah, so I haven't seen a lot of... Uh, so this isn't Bollywood. It's Tollywood. It's a different region of India. Um, I'm not knowledgeable enough on that uh, area cinema to talk about it like extensively or deeply. All I know, I know is <laughs> motherfuckers was dancing and it was awesome and music was slapping and the fights were cool and there was hot dudes in it and one guy throws a tiger, another guy, <laughs> and there's like baller stuff happening. This is the most like per minute shit happening. Like there's some shit happening every minute in this movie. It's good. Also, I was very entertained. I don't know enough about Indian politics to comment on thematical stuff. All I know was cool shit was happening for like three hours and I liked it. And there was like awesome musical dance numbers. Is it three hours long? It's pretty long. It's almost mm-hmm. three hours. You could like, but the interesting thing about it, since it's on Netflix, it has a very, there's a spot where like about an hour and a half in where you could totally like wrap it up and then watch the, the next half, like almost episodic. Okay. Like there's like a, it, it like feels like two separate kind of like things, right? Like this arc and then another arc. Um, but it was fantastic. And I, and I could see why, <laughs> interesting enough, like there was some, there was some, you know, controversy or something. India didn't uh, submit it, even though it was like, it was like a literal worldwide sensation thing. Yeah. Because yeah, I saw people talking about this thing constantly. Oh, you got to see this movie. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. see this movie. And there's showings where it's kind of like the room where people like, there, there are people dance during certain parts and they do the dance and like, there's like audience partips- participation mm-hmm. and it was like showing all over the place. And there was like a whole, there was like a phenomenon like around it and it just was kind of sad that India didn't capitalize more on it, I guess. Um, I will say, like, I when I watched it and, you know, I post on Facebook, there were, I have some uh, Indian peers, cinema peers, that they had, they said the movie's a little problematic, like, politically. Okay. I don't know enough about it to comment on it, but I did see some of that. And uh, I had a buddy of mine post an article that went into more depth about it. And it was, you know, there's some deeper issues i guess going on with the film thematically like like culturally i guess you could say um but you know most most movies have kind of a little bit problematic stuff going well, on yeah, anyway of course. so but just like pure entertainment value it's like like imagine the fight scenes from the raid right mm. that's how like good <clears throat> they are they're like raid level like raid remember in the raid 2 where he's fighting in the prison mm-hmm. it's like that but like imagine hundreds of extras and like one guy fighting all these extras and it's filmed so dynamically like fantastic action 
and then like the most baller ass fucking <laughs> dance scenes ever like get out of your seat want to jump around like it's just pure energy it's really good you should watch it it's it's fantastic so i know andrew i'm gonna give this one to you because i don't think neither me or michelle have seen this navalny oh yes uh, i went to see that in the theater uh it was like a one day fathom event thing before it went on uh cnn and hbo max and uh oof, what, a, what a documentary that was what's uh, this movie about because um, oh, i don't know anything about it russian opposition leader alexei navalny who was running against putin and he was poisoned twice and is currently in the uh, russian prison they're trying to get him out and his wife was on stage at the acceptance speech, so there's been a lot of dialogue about that. Obviously, because of the current uh, Russian-Ukraine yeah. war, the a lot of people are saying that's why it won. And, and I don't know. I mean, I really liked Fire of Love. Fire of Love is a great documentary. Yeah, I like that one. But I guess you could say this was the most political they got this year. The Oscars was with uh, the documentary win for pretty obvious reasons well i yeah. guess it wouldn't it's not a bad thing to be topical you know mm-hmm. so yeah and i mean kimmel got a little bit political mm-hmm. you know he made a couple trump comments yeah which mm-hmm. i'm not going to get into that here because <laughs> we try to keep this mostly political mm-hmm. non-political so i think we covered everything you guys yeah this was fun yeah i like when we just cover a wide you know topic yeah like this and it was, you know, like I said, I think it's just a great show. I thought it was a really good show this year. And it was a lot of good vibes. What's that? It was a lot of good vibes. It felt like good yeah, vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because just last year, it just it just felt off to me. Mm. You know, everybody I mean, was mad. Everybody <laughs> even was mad. before the slap, it felt a little just weird. Yeah, mm. yeah, and like I think, and I don't want to get. And then into, it never recovered after the right. slap. <laughs> oh yeah, because after that, all eyes were on. You yeah. know, oh, what's going to happen? Next? Well, then, well, then, well, didn't he win an Oscar right after? Yeah, he, he <laughs> won anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's like, uh. But he's banned from the Oscars for ten years now. <laughs> I thought they did good, uh, did a good job handling the post slap at the Oscars. Like I thought they were going to make some formal speech about it. And they just made an offhand joke about it and yeah. moved on. Yeah, that's no. probably the best way to do it. Is just move on from it. I already got talked about to death after mm. it happened for a year, basically. It's over, and you know, I lost respect for him because of that. Because I thought it was <laughs> offhanded. <laughs> mm. I, I thought it was a bad choice, but I also think it came at a time when everybody was so hyper stressed by everything yeah. that was going on, and I don't really think we can place, um, you know, we can expect celebrities to be any less than us because they're human after all too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know what maybe the dude was just having a really bad day and then this guy made a comment about his wife and he's having these troubles at home and something negative came out of it well chris rock's uh uh joke i'm doing air quotes for the people just listening that wasn't in the script he did he just went off the script and did that. right that right. was just like a, some personal shit yeah that he just said you know like that was not written you know, he did. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know he was going to say it. So, you know, they sometimes you say stuff, you get a little schmacko, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, I Talk think. Talk shit, get hit, you know? Awful choice that he made. Do it backstage. Yeah. Wait till the show's over right. and don't mm. screw up everybody's Correct. Yeah. evening at this huge event that they've spent millions upon millions of dollars on. Yeah. But the way they just moved past it mm-hmm. and 
put it back in positive space because even comparatively to the show the year before that yeah this was way better Mm -hmm. and everything just felt fluid and it moved along if not still a little bit over long yeah there's a way to could taper it back a little bit would be good i think the the slap was probably rock bottom for the oscars (laughs) yeah all they can do is go up from there so they right they took a good hard look at their show and said all right we need to do this and this and this sorry i just laughed because of the pun i don't know if that was intended rock bottom only thing i will say negative about the show is in memoriam yeah i think they should just either like they should make it long enough to get everybody in it or and or b don't put it there at all and then have the whole list because it just feels like why are you picking one person over the other it just seems seems like it's never gonna it's just gonna make people upset Mm. either make it long enough to get everybody in there or just don't do it and have like maybe maybe make a separate video and go you can go on youtube or our website and watch a 30 minute long in memoriam video that has everybody on it Mm. and have them edit that instead of truncating it to try to fit it into the actual show and then people get left off and and other people get upset there were a couple of moments too during acceptance speeches where the speeches got cut off and you saw the camera panning away as someone was putting their oscar up like i won i won and it's just really awkward the way they cut them off yeah there's some stuff they might be able to trim back to make the show shorter and then give people room to talk more Mm mm-hmm in like the in memoriam thing the whole time they had like the two pictures on screen and they were fading from one to the next one mm-hmm. i'm like stop doing the fade put both pictures on the screen at the same time yeah because then you can fit more in, right you mm-hmm. know but like paul sorvino being left out mm-hmm. like yeah. hollywood staple for decades yeah. and like they just didn't put well, mira Sorvino was very upset about that afterwards. i would be too if that were my father but mm-hmm. again we're trying to be positive, people. <laughs> Stay positive. <laughs> well, all right. We're going to wrap this up. I'm not sure what we're doing next week, but uh, make sure to check back with us and check out ProjectorScreen.com and Donna the Collectors on Facebook. Have a good week, everybody. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes. <laughs>